Good morning and welcome to the morning sermon stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I just want to first of all say welcome and I'm glad that you decided to tune in this morning. I also have a few announcements that I want to share with you. Uh, first, we're still collecting for the homeless ministries around Athens. So if you have any extra toilet paper, water bottles, non-perishable food items, or anything else like that, uh, please reach out to the church on Facebook uh, or send an email to info at fhbcathens.org so we can get in touch with you in order to arrange a pickup so we can make sure that that gets to where it needs to go. If you need any assistance at this time, please feel free to reach out either to the church on Facebook uh, or you can also send us an email to info at fhbcathens.org. If you're a member, you can also uh, give a call to your deacon and they'll be happy to help you in any way that they can. Now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, hey, God, just thank you for this day, this wonderful opportunity that we have just to be able to come together as a virtual body and just worship you, God. Um, I pray that you just be with Brother Mike as he has a message uh, that you're uh, bringing through him, God. I just pray that you would just prepare our hearts for whatever that message is uh, and that uh, we would just be able to apply it to our lives. Um, I pray uh, that you be with anybody who is listening to this, God, that whatever prayer requests they have, God, that uh, those just be lifted up to you and that you just be with them in a very special way. Uh, we love you and we praise you and it's on your son's name that I pray. Amen. It's good to be with you again, and I'm just looking forward, so forward to the time when we can be together person to person again, worshiping the Lord. But I'm thankful that we can do this, and I thank David and Ben for uh, setting this all up and working with this and working with me, and so uh, just thank the Lord for them. And uh, I thank the Lord for you and your faithfulness and how faithful you've been. Uh, many of you have called in and and just have commented and, and thanked uh, the church and thanked me and others for this opportunity. And not only that, but uh, you've been faithful in many other ways, uh, financially, uh, prayerfully, all of this. And so we just thank you for this. Now we are talking, the leadership will be talking about reopening. I know that the governor has uh, said that this is... Um, not only a possibility, but he said that uh, it is available for the churches. And so we want to be very careful about this, and we are praying about it. We're going to be meeting this week about it. We're going to be talking about it. So you pray with us because we, uh, we want to do the right thing. And it, we're in waters that we've never been in before. And I know that it's easy to um, say, well, you know, like the governor, he made a mistake here, he made a mistake there, he's wrong here, wrong there, or he is right here, right, uh, right doing this. Well, you know, uh, we just don't know. None of us have been there before, and we're just trying to make the right decision, the decision that will help uh, the whole um, church, just like he's trying to make the right decision helping the whole state and whether you agree with it or not and whether you agree with us or not uh, we will be doing this we'll be trying to probably set it up it'll probably come in stages like the morning worship first and later on as we feel comfortable we'll go into the evening worship and and uh, Sunday schools uh, some Sunday schools may feel comfortable in meeting some may not that's fine uh, we're just asking you to do what God is leading you to do and what you feel safe about doing and so you just be in prayer about it. And so we uh, will be talking about all this, and there will be guidelines uh, with those that do meet. We may have just a handful meeting but uh, to begin with, but uh, that handful will be learning 
the, uh, what the guidelines are and, and what uh, we're to follow to make it safer and make it more comfortable and enjoyable for those who come to worship. But today, we're going to be talking about discipleship. We started on this last week, and it's very interesting. In, in chapter 16, we have seen Peter give the great confession uh, representing all of the, uh, the disciples that were with him. Uh, they had been talking about this, and, and God had led them to, to say that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what an awesome statement that was. It wasn't a statement that they came up with that they deducted by saying, well, he can't be this, he can't uh, be that. It was a statement that was given to them from the Father. It was divinely given. The, Jesus even says this. And so... This was the you know blessed statement that uh, started this and and just uh, started the ball rolling in preparing them to understand what the church was made up of, and that was that the church would be made up of uh, people who believed. It, uh, put their profession, their confession in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And uh, Jesus even went on to say, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Upon what rock? Upon the rock that those disciples were placing their faith upon. And that's Jesus Christ, their, their profession in Him. And then um, he said, the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. And death's not going to overtake it. You may die for the faith. Others may die for the faith, for the gospel's sake. But it will not stop the movement of the gospel. It will not stop the church from moving on with the truth. And he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. In other words, he says, you're going to be living out kingdom living here on earth. And uh, your kingdom living will be the, the keys, the truths of uh, my, uh, my word. And you'll be living by them. And you'll be uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this way. You can't do it on your own. And so... Uh, what I tell you, uh, what's been loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. In other words, uh, as you pray and as you seek and as you uh, search out the way to live, uh, uh, the way that I have uh, guided you and taught you to live, then the Holy Spirit will help you in, in uh, continuing to guide you and empower you to live that way. And wh what not to do, then uh, you'll know what not to do because the Word of God uh, warns you against this. But that wasn't, I mean, this is a highlight. I, I don't know if you've ever seen a running back that's so big, so powerful, so strong in football that, that he, you know, he's kind of cocky. He, he's hard to bring down. And he just, just like a rolling ball, a bowling ball or whatever, he, he just rolls over you. And, uh, you know, people just bounce off of him. He's got big old thighs and big old shoulders. And, and, you know, he takes that ball and run. Then all of a sudden, this little, you know, 150-pound person tackles this big old 300-pound guy or 275-pound guy that's, that's got full steam. And everybody just starts laughing and clapping. Brings him down. How? By cutting his feet out from underneath him. 
Well, you know, we can become prideful and we can boy, be rolling along. We can be riding high in our Christian life and we can think, hey, man, nothing's going to uh, stop us now. You know, uh, nothing can stop me. Boy, I, I am just on a roll for Jesus. And then all of a sudden our feet are cut out from underneath us. And this is what happened to Peter. Uh, he says in verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and be raised up the third day. Now, and Peter, now the spokesman for them, he took him aside and began to rebuke him. This can't be, he is saying, Lord. I mean, our Messiah, no, he, he doesn't die. He leads us into victory. He leads us into millennial. He leads us into that kingdom living. This shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. In other words, Jesus is saying, you, are, you have become the stumbling block to my destiny. It must happen or you won't become the church. You won't have eternal life. I am the sacrificial lamb and I'm going to die on Calvary's cross, be buried and be raised again. And my death is going to be salvific. It's going to be for the sins of the world. So get out of my way. You're a stumbling block here. And get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. See how quickly Peter jumped from, boy, being divinely inspired to thinking humanly, thinking uh, fleshly, thinking with his senses. We do that so often also. Man, when we have those great experiences, we've been with the Lord, we just rejoice, we're shouting hallelujah and all that, and then all of a sudden, we're making a decision or, or we're, uh, we're acting in the flesh or we're doing something out of our senses or from, motivated from our senses instead of motivated from God. It's so easily uh, to occur in our lives, to happen in our lives. And just like with Peter. And, and then, um, then we see in verse 24, then he says, the reason I'm telling you this is because some of you are going to be dying, you know, for the gospel's sake. But not only that, there is a dying that comes spiritually. And you must die to, to these self-interests. You must die to these, uh, you know, these things that, that you think are, are important. And to live to Christ. To live for God's kingdom. To understand it better and to move forward. But, and to be a disciple of mine, this is what you must do continually. So he says uh, in verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever wishes or loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man uh, give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of the Father with his angels and then and uh, recompense every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in glory. 
So for, we, we see him preparing them. And this is what he's telling them. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. This involves a growth process. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Salvation does. Being born again does. You're born into God's forever family right then and there. You don't work towards it. You are, are, are changed by the Spirit of God. You're, you, you acknowledge that you're a sinner, and then you ask Christ to, to forgive you and save you, and you're immediately placed into God's family. That happens immediately. But discipleship is a sanctification. Discipleship is a, a growth process by which we as Christians learn to bring all of our life. And this is a lifetime experience. All of our life under the Lordship of Christ. In other words, becoming mature believers, we, uh, we become what Christ wants us to be. And not only that, as a church... We help others do the same, th uh, same thing so that they can become more mature where they can help others. And it's a duplicating process if, uh, you know, operated and if functioning properly. So the first thing in this, uh, this uh, becoming a disciple, as I've already mentioned, is there is a, an identification. It involves identification. We believers are identified with Christ when we are born again at, with His death, burial, and resurrection. Our old life is buried and we're raised to a new life in Jesus Christ. So uh, the very thing that, uh, that must occur to become a disciple is the very first thing is you've got to be born again. You don't follow Christ as a non-believer. You're not a, disciples, a disciple of His as a non-believer. You've got to be born again. And to be born again means that you receive the Holy Spirit who will start revealing these truths to you as you study His Word and also start to empower you to live what you are learning in Christ Jesus. So, we are to... First of all, identify. Second of all, there's got to be a desire, a pursuance in obedience. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, there's got to be a longing, a desire. You see, just because you're born again doesn't mean that you're an active disciple of his. It doesn't mean that you're actively pursuing him in your growth. Unfortunately, we as believers, we can uh, choose to not grow in the sense that we become disobedient to the Lord. And uh, so what, what he's telling us is uh, we as imperfect individuals uh, must become obedient in our walk with that imperfection to Bring it under control of the Holy Spirit. But that does not, you know, that uh, does not do away with the old flesh. There's, and, and there's got to be a continual basic desire for this discipleship, this obedience to the Lord. There should be a desire. And, and one of the quickest things that will take away that desire is allowing sin in our life. And sin to go unconfessed and sin to start controlling us. And as it does, 
then it takes away that desire that we have. That's why uh, when we sin that we must confess it and, and immediately confess it. He says, uh, if, uh, you know, uh, uh, if we're to follow him, uh, we must confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, yes, but confess our sins daily also. So uh, Jesus tells them that there needs to be a desire. You know, if anyone wishes to come after me. It's a process where we want not to just learn about the Master, but to become like the Master. Living what we learn. Uh, he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my, uh, my lead is light. And so what he's telling us here is, uh, he's saying, hey, we must uh, not only desire this, we must not only learn it, but we must pursue it as we learn it. We must uh, act, it, act it out, uh, live it out, let it become a part of us. That's what taking up the, the, the yoke is. It's, uh, uh, it's doing the work. Is, is getting involved. And then third, a disciple must learn to deny themselves. Now, what does deny mean? Deny means basically to give up ownership, disown, or to renounce a claim of something. And, and it's coming to a point in our lives when, when we choose between God's demands on our lives and our preferences. It, it, we say no to our preferences and yes to obeying God. Now, you know, those preferences may be fine and there may not be anything ethically wrong with them. But still, there are preferences and if they draw us away from serving the Lord and, and putting Him first, then they become a hindrance in our life. This type of life does not draw crowds. I mean, the reason it doesn't draw crowds is because it's not built around self. It's not self-centered. You, know, uh, you know, people say, well, if it's not going to bless me and if it's not going to meet my needs and it's not going to benefit me, if, if I don't feel good about it, then I don't want it. Well, that's not the attitude that he's t telling us that a disciple needs to have. It's too easy to hang on to things like possessions and career and power and money and relationship and activities. Uh, hanging on something too lightly uh, will more than likely cause us to miss God in all of it and, and God at work around us and, and we'll miss out on the blessings that he has for us. Self-denial is not just a characteristic that a born-again believer exhibits when he comes to know Christ. Denying himself, I'm, I'm giving my life to the Lord. But self-denial is something that continues as a process. It's learning to say no to something or someone and yes to God continually, consistently. Is learning consistently to make the Lord a ruling passion and principle of, of our lives. He's telling his followers, if you're going to follow me, then you must realize that your lives are not your own life anymore. And it's not your life to please. Your life is God's life, and you're to please him.
1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. We're to glorify Him in all the things that we do. Not just the things at church, but all things that we do. Then fourth, take up your cross. You, you remember last week that I said that we really don't have a good concept of what cross means here. I mean, it was a degrading, it was a uh, uh, terrifying way of dying. And so uh, the cross was very disgraceful method of, uh, of uh, death and, and punishment, a way of punishment to, to, to give a person. And so... Uh, what Christ is telling them, he's indicating to his followers is that they must count themselves to be dead, crucified with him. You come to me, you're dead. You follow me, you're dead. You've died to your old way. You've been raised to a new life. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. This means that a disciple must have the attitude that says, I do not have the right to determine my own course of life or the elements of it. I am dead, crucified with Christ. I live to serve him. And this is not so much dealing with common trials and hardships, which all of us experience sometime in our life. It is not having a, uh, you know, like a domineering, uh, inconsiderate husband or uh, a wife that is persistently on the husband or is not having a physical handicap or physical illness. It's simply being willing to pay the price, any price, for Christ's sake. It is the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, or persecution for the sake of Christ. And it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, you know, you, uh, you start living this way, then people will notice. And some people will ridicule. And some people will uh, isolate themselves from you. And, and, and some people will say hurtful things about you. But it's willing to pay that price. You, you say, yes, I agree. I confirm that I'm a Christian and, and that I, I believe like Christ and I want to live like Christ and I believe that's the right way and, and I'm not ashamed. And so you don't wake up and just all of this happens. It's a process. It's just like marriage. You don't just wake up and expect marriage to be perfect. You have to work at it. The same is true in your Christian life. It's a process that requires cost. So many will come to the church and, and they, they may be born again and they want to reap the blessings and I don't blame them. I, I want to be blessed by the Lord. But a lot of times we want to be blessed without paying the price, being willing to pay the price. Now, when I get that way or anybody gets that way, then we really become an entitlement Christian. We think just because we're a follower of Christ, we're entitled to these blessings. But we're not. Uh, you know, we have to really 
pay, be willing to pay the price. Uh, it says in Luke 14, 25, great multitudes were following Jesus and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow, wait a minute. Man, that's a lot, Lord. You, you just said a lot. You're expecting me to do that? Well, Jesus was telling them that cross-bearing involves re-prioritizing our time, our possessions, our money, and even our human relationships. If any of these things come between us and serving the Lord, we must think about it and re-prioritize it. And so it means carrying the cross before others. And saying, yes, I am guilty to that. Placing Him first in your life and bearing one's cross. Identifying with Christ in every area of our culture with our lives being Christ-like. It's talking about a surrendered life. Surrendered in every area to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's to come to the end of self and, and sin and become desirous of Christ and His righteousness. Willing to make any sacrifice needed from him. Now, carrying the cross is a one-way journey. And this is why it's a process. Because, man, you start looking at this, you say, wow, that's a lot. I can't be that. No, you can't. It's only by the grace of God that you can start growing towards that and becoming the disciple that you need to be. It doesn't happen all at once, as I said earlier. And I'll say over and over again. And so... We've got to be willing, though. There's got to be a desire. And there's got to be an understanding that when we fall, we must confess our sins. And realize that, that uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and get back on our feet and, and keep on going. And realizing that, hey, Lord, I just want to please you. And he understands where we are and where we're moving and what we need. And he understands what we're going through. And so we, we need that. A disciple needs to, uh, to be associated also. This discipleship involves uh, a church, a body of believers, a dynamic involvement with the local body of believers. To be a disciple of Christ demands relationship and not isolation. And... Uh, you know, disciple only appears in the Gospels and Acts. It did not, it's not found in the epistles. And uh, this talking about discipleship. And why? Because it's being acted out. It's being uh, realized. It's, it's, it's being assumed. And it's, it's being saying, hey, you know, uh, the proof of a healthy church is that it automatically moves to, to help others in their spiritual life. And that, and they just realized that in, uh, in, in the epistles. And, and they were living it out or trying to living it, live it out by the grace of God. And then we see the, uh, the great counter logic in verse 25. And he says, For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever wishes or loses his life for my sake shall find it. And that, here's a great counter logic where if you wish to save your life, you, you'll lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. And it's kind of like saying, you've, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And you say, what does that mean? Well, it means that if you're going to have a piece of cake to eat, you can't eat it and keep it. 
you've got to eat it or keep it, one of the two. And so uh, you, this is what he's saying here. He's saying you can't go through life saying, I want to live a certain way and then, you know, uh, think that you're going to make it to heaven or you're going to be a disciple and be faithful to him. No, you've got to do one or the other. You've got to uh, pursue him and uh, have that desire to pursue him and be all that he would have you to be or not. And so uh, some believe uh, this is a, a purely a reference to salvation, and I believe salvation is involved, but I also believe that it's uh, dealing with the high cost of discipleship because that's what he's been talking about. And in Matthew 16, 27, he uh, seems to uh, even reaffirm it. And so I believe that both of them are involved here, uh, both salvation and uh, discipleship, the high cost of discipleship, because he talks about in verse 27, there'll be re uh, rewards rather than deliverance from hell uh, mentioned there. In verse 26, uh, Jesus said, For what will a man be profited if he gains a whole world? And forfeits his soul, or what will a man gain in exchange for his soul? In other words, yeah, there's, there's salvation involved there. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father uh, with his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. In other words, but there's also the high, uh, high cost of discipleship where uh, we're rewarded for uh, the, the way that we live. There's, there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ and sent where believers come before Christ and receive the crowns or not the crowns that, that they had a chance to receive. So Jesus lets his disciples see how useless a life is that is out for itself. And he tells us that there, then there'll be recompense for every man according to his deeds. Uh, at the judgment seat, uh, those who are lost will be cast in hell. But those who are saved because of the, uh, the way they have lived will be either rewarded, uh, given crowns, or not given crowns if they haven't lived that faithful life. So, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's dealing with both salvation and the high cost of discipleship. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, famous preacher, payday someday, uh, said Dr. R.G. Lee. And there's going to be a payday someday. And then, um, then he gives us the encouraging preview. Christ follows with, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And he refers to himself in Scripture as Son of Man. And that phrase has roots in the Old Testament. In Isaiah, the suffering servant, who will suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And he tells his disciples that he will suffer and die and be raised on the third day and that he will come again in his glory where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. He, we're told that in Philippians 2.11. And then Jesus lets his disciples know that some of them will get to see the glimpse of glory revealed at the Mount of Transfiguration that we'll be talking about next in chapter 17. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. They'll be privileged by being able to see the Son of Man in His glory. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. May you just um, 
Show us what we need to do. And God, may that that we do be obedient to you and bring honor and glory to your name. Whether it's receiving you as our personal Lord and Savior by confessing our sins and accepting Christ and the, uh, the cleansing that is offered and the forgiveness that is offered through the cross or, may, or whether it's uh, making a decision to follow the Lord, be more faithful, to confess some sins that have kept us from uh, truly being faithful the way that we should to you, Lord. Uh, whatever it might be, I just pray that you'll reveal to us, and God, that we will honor you and glorify you by being obedient and doing what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that wonderful sermon, Brother Mike. Uh, to each of you and every one of you that are listening, I want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, please be sure to tune in tonight at 6 o'clock as Brother Mike will be continuing through the book of Esther. It's going to be a great time, and I hope you're here to, to enjoy it with us.